Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the Sonoma Avenue Church of Christ Sermon Video Cast. It's a lot to say. I gotta come up with a better name for that. This last week I've been thinking a lot about one particular question. And that question is, what is going to be different about us when we come out of this time of distancing and isolation? The world has been going through an experience that most of us couldn't have even imagined even six months ago. Have you ever, did you ever think that you would hear the term, the state of California is closed? I didn't really either. And as I mentioned in my intro video, we are all in one way or another looking forward to things getting back to normal. We have been shaken out of our normal routines. We can't go to our normal restaurants or even hang out with our friends like we normally would. And for some who have lost their jobs or are struggling to get by during this time, the idea of things going back to normal holds a lot of promise. At the same time, we know that things are probably going to be different for the world having gone through this experience. And we don't know what it's going to look like when all of this is over. So we are kind of nervously waiting to see what our new normal is going to be. Now we have been studying the fruit of the Spirit as they are described in the book of Galatians. And so that's where we're going to start today in our Bibles from Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, some things that we need to remember from our study here this morning is that these characteristics are created in us because of our relationship with God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Therefore, they are not reflective of our own human brand of, say, love and joy and peace. Instead, they are reflective of God's brand of love and joy and peace. They are deeper and more rich than what we could produce on our own. The second thing is that we can't accidentally bear the fruit of the Spirit, um, which takes us to verses 24 and 25 in particular this morning. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Those verses tell us that we have to be changed by God in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Those who belong to Jesus Christ no longer live to satisfy themselves, but rather they live to honor God with everything that they do. They live, as Paul says, by the Spirit. But let's look at these last words here. These, these last words where Paul says... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
And what that tells us is that we have a choice as to whether we are going to follow the lead of the Spirit or not. We have to choose to keep in step with the Spirit. And maybe it's like this. Like, imagine that you are walking down the beach, your bare feet in the sand. Now, if the Spirit is walking in front of you, what will you see when you look down in the sand? You will see his footprints out there in front of you. So if we are going to keep in step with the Spirit, we not only need to keep up with where he is going, but we also need to put our feet where his feet have been. If he gets too far ahead of us, then we may not be able to tell whose steps are in front of us. So we have to keep up with the Spirit, and we have to put our feet where His feet have been. And this takes me for a second back to the concept of normal. Normal is comfortable. Normal is safe. Normal gives us a sense of control. But normal, in a spiritual sense, I, I think is really kind of a bad word. Because normal can keep us from allowing God to change who we are. If we are going to keep in step with the Spirit, we are going to be constantly changed as we put our feet where His feet have been. So, here we are in a time where all of the normal has been disrupted. It occurs to me that there may be no better time to seek out the Spirit and to make sure that we are keeping in step with Him than now. So, how do you connect with the Spirit of God during this time? Is now the best time to seek out the Holy Spirit when the rest of the world in your life has slowed down? Well, there are actually some very practical things that you can do to seek out the presence of the Spirit in your life, and that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. So here's the first and most basic thing. You need to ask for the Spirit to be more present in your life and seek out its influence. Now, all of us who have accepted Christ and been baptized, we have already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. From Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit, you see, is a gift that is given to us when we become children of God and we give our lives to Him. So, I'm not saying that we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us or to be inside of us. It is already living inside of us who have committed ourselves to God. But if that's true, then why would we need to ask for the Spirit to be present? Well, there is 
something that we cannot overlook, and, and that is this. We will experience more of the Spirit in our lives if we are seeking to engage Him, because it takes effort on our part to keep in step with the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Uh, many of us have smartphones that we carry around all the time. And the amazing thing about a smartphone is that it can tell you how to get wherever it is that you want to go. Now, for me, this is a huge deal because I am not necessarily directionally challenged, but I also don't remember just how I got certain places or how to get back there. So when I have my smartphone with me, I never have an excuse to be lost. I never have an excuse. I can just type in where I want to go and it will tell me where I want to go. Well, you may disagree with the route, but with smartphones, we can always get wherever it is that we want to go. But there is one major flaw that will keep this from being effective in your life. And that is if you leave the smartphone in your pocket. If you don't punch in where it is that you want to go and you don't let it guide you to that place, you have to engage it in order for it to work. So here is the first principle. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives and to be active in our lives. We need to ask God to pour out his spirit on us and to help us find direction. We have to engage. Listen to what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 11. Starting in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There is a wonderful promise that is wrapped up in these words of Jesus. And that is this, if you ask God, you will receive. Why? Because God wants you to have the good things that he has to give to you. Uh, Jesus used this analogy of gift giving to help us understand. He says, look, do you know how to give good gifts to your kids? Of course you do. And if your kid came asking you for something good, you would not in turn give them something bad. And then he makes the statement, if you who are evil have figured this out, don't you think God has figured it out as well? But we need a little bit more context here. Uh, the principle behind these statements of Jesus is not just that God wants you to have whatever it is you ask for. And we all know that that's not how this works. 
It's not that God wants to give you everything you want or anything you want and that you can just ask God and God should give it to you because he loves you. And we know this isn't true, one, from experience, but two, for those of you who have had kids, you've gone through this with them. My kids may come and ask me for something that by all intents and purposes may be a good thing. But as their parent, I have to decide whether it is good for them now or whether it's something they actually need. So God wants to give us good things, but we're not talking about Santa Claus here. Now we need to ask this question though. What is the good gifts that God wants us to have? And I think that there are a lot of things that we could put into this category, but the Holy Spirit is certainly something that qualifies as a good gift that God wants us to have. Why is that? Well, if you were with us for our study that where we walked through John chapters 14 through 16, you'll remember everything that Jesus said the Spirit is going to do. He said the Spirit will teach us all things, will remind us of all that Jesus said. He will testify about Jesus. He will convict the world and everyone in it of the truth. Uh, he will do the same kind of work that Jesus did. And, and Jesus was so passionate about the work of the Spirit that he even said he needed to get out of the way so that the Spirit could come and do the transformational work inside of us that God had designed for it to do. Now, for those of us who grew up in churches that didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit when we were growing up, it is worth remembering and restating that the indwelling and empowering Holy Spirit has been God's plan all along. That God intended to send His Spirit to live in us who are His children. And there is no better gift than the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, basic principle. If you are asking for more of the Spirit's presence in your life, that is something that without a doubt God wants to give you. It is a good gift. So basic principle. If you ask for more of the Spirit, you will receive it. And I don't really think that there's any trick to asking for more of the Spirit. I think you engage God in prayer and you ask for an outpouring in your life. From James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. There's an important lesson for us in these words. And the lesson is this. If you ask God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, then expect it to come. Look for it. Know that this is something that God 
wants you to have. So have confidence in him. And when you ask, wait expectantly for the spirit to make itself known to you. Now, number two, if you want to stay in step with the spirit, get to know what the spirit does and how it works. And I think that we sometimes do not recognize the work of the Spirit in our lives because we simply don't know Him well enough. We haven't spent the time to understand what the Spirit looks like and how He works so that we can recognize Him in our lives and in the world around us. Now, part of that, as I said earlier, is because maybe we didn't study the Holy Spirit enough early on in our relationships with God. But there's another element that there is, in fact, something mysterious about the Holy Spirit. I mean, we are talking about something we, we can't see that lives inside of us and that changes who we are. There is something mysterious about it. And we are not always keen on trying to grasp a spiritual mystery. We tend to like things that are plainer and concrete. And this is why I think, to a degree, we always put such a heavy emphasis on behavior. Because behavior is easy to talk about and diagnose. You do this, you don't do this, you do this, you don't do this. But there is much about God and the Holy Spirit and even Jesus that we will never understand. Because God in his very nature is beyond our ability to understand. There is mystery. But we shouldn't underestimate what we can know about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is everywhere in the Bible. Read again what Jesus said to the apostles and you will see that the Holy Spirit is going to do an amazing work in our lives. Uh, read what Paul has to say about the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, Romans chapter 8, Galatians 5, Ephesians 3. I'll tell you, if you get into the Word of God and start looking for the Spirit, you are going to find it everywhere. And you'll still have questions about how some things work or what some things are, but you will know the Spirit better. And maybe you'll discover, like I have, that the Spirit is a huge part of the story that God is telling. Thirdly, you need to see through the Spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 puts it this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is a really important concept within the scripture 
that speaks to how the children of God should be able to see things differently than those around them because we are seeing things the way that God sees things. We fix our eyes on the eternal and not the temporary. And so I want us to think about that and to understand as a basic premise that if you want to follow the lead of the Spirit, you have to begin to see the world as the Spirit sees the world, and you need to look for the signs of the Spirit in the world around you. You must fix your eyes on the eternal and not the temporary. You know, Saul, who later became Paul, believed that he was following God. And he believed that he was doing the will of God. He killed Christians, and by doing so, he believed that he was doing the real work of God on this earth by defending his faith and eliminating these heretics who were proclaiming the name of Jesus. When God confronted Paul, on the road to Damascus, Paul became blind. God took away his sight. He was forced to be alone with his thoughts in a room by himself, with this world that he had lived in and created. He was forced to evaluate in the dark whether he was doing his work or the work of God. And when he emerged from that time of reflection, the scales fell from his eyes and he saw the spiritual reality around him and gave his life over to the true work of God, spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. We, like Paul, need to learn to see the world through the eyes of the Spirit. And maybe this time, this place in our history gives us the opportunity to have the scales fall from our own eyes and to see things how they really are. From Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 through 23. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. These words are so powerful to us right here and right now. And 
the prayer that Paul speaks to these Christians in Ephesus. He speaks these words to remind them that God is in control of all things, that Jesus is on the throne, that however difficult or hard their lives may be, the reality is that God reigns, that Jesus is on the throne. And so he prays that the eyes of their hearts may be opened so they would see the spiritual reality that they live in and they would be able to rejoice. I want to see the world this way. I want to see the wonder and power of God all around us. I want to see Jesus lifted high and glorified in ways expected and unexpected. I want to be changed and to see differently the eyes of my heart opened to all that God is doing in the world around us. I want to see through the eyes of the Spirit. Lastly, and this one may surprise you a little bit, we need to build a spirit vocabulary. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. In case you were in doubt about the role of the Spirit in our lives, Paul makes it painfully clear here that we need the Spirit desperately because the Spirit knows the mind of God. We cannot know the mind of God, but the Spirit knows the mind of God. And as the Spirit lives in us, he helps us to know God better. And as we know God better, we begin to recognize the work of the Spirit in the world around us and to feel the connection to God that he has blessed us with and gifted us with through the Holy Spirit. And that should change the way we speak about what is going on in our lives and in the world. We are not always very good at God talk. We have bought into some of the negative stereotypes that we associate with talking about God. Sometimes we can feel really awkward speaking to the truths of God in this world. But the thing is, 
that talking about God and, and learning to express what God is doing in your life in a real and genuine way is going to keep you connected with what the Spirit is doing in you and around you. When you see a movie that you love, or you get talking about your favorite movie or your favorite book or your favorite TV show, you see how animated people get when they start to have these conversations. And the reason is they're excited about these things. They're engaged in these things. And therefore, they speak about them and share these things with other people. We should be able to talk about what God is doing in our lives, what God has done for us, what we believe God will do, and of the magnificent gift that the Spirit is to us. I'm not even talking about sharing your faith with other people. I'm simply talking about learning to express how good God is in the way that you communicate with everyone. Don't be afraid to express in words, in conversation, in every moment, how good God is to you. I don't know what's going to come out of this time. I don't know what things are going to look like when they open things up again. But wouldn't it be remarkable if we emerged from these spaces of isolation and fear as people who are in step with the Spirit. And maybe in ways that have never happened before. Let's not waste an opportunity. Let's look for something better than normal. Let's call the Spirit down upon us. And the church said, Amen.